Welcome to another episode of Ew, That's Creepy. This week, Jackie will be telling Melissa about another crime that is not what it seemed to be. Jackie will be sharing the story of Officer Joe Glenowicz, a notorious tale that shocked a small Illinois town. Please be aware that this episode will discuss assault, murder, and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the podcast. We are here with another episode of Ooh, That's Creepy. Ooh, That's Creepy. Thank you, Melissa. I've never done an ooh. And <laughs> You're not going to give us a good ooh. I felt like you. I didn't want to do too high-pitched, but that was as much... That was as much ooh as I could muster on this fine Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I kind of have allergies today, so I'm not going to give us a good old ooh. Like, <laughs> normal, it won't sound as good with my semi-nasally voice. Oh, okay. Well, sorry. Next time. <laughs> I know everyone's going to be so upset. <laughs> I was going to say, I know how much everyone loves your high-pitched ew. I know, right. I know. <laughs> sadly, they'll just have to wait till next time. So, we're going to talk about another story that is not what it seems today. This one is <laughs> definitely more well-known than your story, but... Really? Yeah, this one always... I'm, uh, the, well, the first time I heard this, I was just like... Damn. Where did you hear it? That's crazy. Um, uh, maybe this, like, the CNN report that I watched. Oh? Yeah, I think that's what it was. Something on TV. But this happened in Fox Lake, Illinois, on September 1st, 2015. So not super long ago. Fox Lake, Illinois is a village in Grant in... Antioch Townships in Lake County in Illinois, obviously. It's a community of like 10,000 people, so not a whole lot. And it's like about 60 miles north of Chicago. So some background on the area. Small little guy. Yeah, yeah. Little bean town. (laughs) Just a small little bean town. (laughs) <laughs> this story is about Joe Glenowitz. I don't know if I said his name yet. I don't think I did. No. But uh, he was born in August. Well, not in August. He was born <laughs> on August 25th, 1963 in Libertyville, Illinois. Um, at the time of this story, this really happens in 2015. At this time, he's uh, 52 He's a lieutenant for the police, so he's a police officer. Okay. Um, he joined, like, the police force in 1985, so he's been a cop for a long-ass time. Okay, good for him. Yeah, he spent five years in the Army, um, and he never really worked anywhere else other than the police force. He was in the Army Reserves for, like, 20 years. Okay. So, he was on his way to work, and every single, on September 1st, 2015, let me say that first, and every single day, he stops at a quick mart to get packets of cigarettes. So, on this day, he did that. He got two packs of cigarettes around 7.06 in the morning. 
he was driving to the community center where he works and mentors teens who want to be cops. He also does equipment inventory intake for administrative people, I guess, who control the finances for the group. Okay. A lot of jobs. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of jobs. Around 725, he has, like, his police GPS in his car, so his car pulls into a gate that it was in front of an abandoned factory. And 20 minutes later, he radios dispatch and says that there are a few men. There are two white and one black who are there, and that he needed a second unit to come. And that was, like, kind of all he said. Okay. They could tell that his, like, GPS, his car, he was going off the cement road and down towards a marshy area. Well, actually, at this point, not his car. They could tell, like, he was <laughs> going down towards this marshy area that was, like, near the water. And so he told dispatch that he was following these men. Why? Like, what are they doing? I don't know. He just said, like, there were some men there acting suspicious, I guess. And so he was going to follow them. So okay. police send the unit, and when they arrive, they're, like, messaging him on the walkie and stuff, like, where are you, you know, what's going on with this situation? So when police get there, they message him on the walkie, they're calling him, like, where are you and stuff, but he is not responding, and then all of a sudden, they hear a loud bang, which they assume to be a gunshot. Oh, no. So they all run into the woods, you know, and they're like, what the F is going on? They run towards the thicket where they hear the noise. Not the thicket. Yep, the thicket. They still don't see anyone and they haven't heard anyone like running or like yelling, nothing like that. But around 8.09 a.m. they radio on the walkie that there is an officer down (gasps) and it is Joe Glenowitz. Oh my gosh. He was supposed to retire in less than a month. Oh. He was shot twice, one above his hip and the other in his chest, which ripped apart his artery and ended up killing him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's tragic. Yeah. His gear, like his police gear, was scattered nearby as if there was a struggle, and his pepper spray and baton were laying in the area nearby. His glasses were also nearby, but they couldn't find his gun, so they assumed that the men who attacked him that he had been following must have taken it from him. Okay. So the mayor and some other police officers tell Joe's wife, Melody, about what happened. They said that she collapsed and she was so upset that she actually became ill and I think was throwing up. Oh my god. So she was very, very upset. That's so tragic. Yeah. The town is obviously less than 11,000 people, so everyone heard about the incident pretty quickly, and a lot of people had known in the community, like, who he was and stuff from his little group of mentoring kids who wanted to be police. So everybody was really upset, obviously. Uh... He had 30 years in the police department, and he had 20 years in the army. He was known as G.I. Joe because he was, like, an army guy and always wearing camo. Mm-hmm. Aw, that's cute. Yeah. So, and the, the kids that he mentored were really upset, too. I mean, they're not, like, kids. Some of them are teenagers. 
But they were really upset, and they said that Joe was, like, a father figure to them, and everyone just couldn't understand, like, why somebody would, why people would do this out of random. Mm-hmm. People said he had a really large personality, and he wanted to teach the younger people, people growing up, how to get into the military and then get into law enforcement like he did. So, obviously because he has such a police-military background, everyone is on the hunt for these people immediately. Police assume that they are tracking two white men and one black man from what Joe had said on the walkie. And they launch a really big search in the surrounding area. Okay. They go on a full-on manhunt that involves dogs, planes, and obviously a lot of people. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure that killing a police killing a police officer in cold blood is pretty um pretty quick to get a search team. Yeah, and obviously since this is a small town, stuff like this did not happen. So, they put the schools in, like, people's works on lockdown when it happened. Like, oh, shit. Like, people's jobs were on lockdown. And they set up a kill zone, which is, like, two miles from where shots were fired. So, they could examine the area heavily. And they sent police officers, like, going door-to-door everywhere looking for two white men and one black guy. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's crazy. They had five helicopters in one plane looking for these people too and citizens in the area called in sightings obviously saying that they saw the description of these people around town one they said was like some guy running into a vehicle that they thought was like suspicious you know getting in his car <laughs> just people oh my gosh in, you know all over the place yeah it was really, really hot out that day, so when police were searching the area and the surrounding marsh, a good amount of them were passing out because it was so humid and stuff. Oh my god! Yeah, it was bad. I think they said like five to ten cops passed out or something like that. Poor things. I couldn't imagine having all your gear on trying to search a marsh when it's so humid. That would suck. I know, right? Like, humidity out the ass. They also put a helicopter there at night to fly over the marsh in it, like, to get a temperature reading to see if anyone was hiding in there. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's like some spy shit. I know, right? But pretty soon it was Labor Day in a couple weeks, so that was, like, gonna make everything different, you know, because everyone's gonna be traveling, all that stuff. But police, we're still trying to look. Uh, the day after the shooting, there was a vigil. About 1,200 people showed up. A lot of people felt like they had lost a mentor, and other people just felt like they had lost a really good member of the community and a police officer. At the vigil, uh, Joe's four sons, they were there, and Melody, they spoke at the vigil. Melody was very, very upset, sobbing the whole time. Oh, poor thing. Yeah. Many people said they'd never seen Melody cry, so obviously it was very upsetting. That night, there was a car and two guys that some woman said they asked if they could hitchhike a ride from her. She said they were two men, one black and one white, 
and when she got in their car and said no, they ran away, like, all suspicious. So she called the police about that, and that launched another search. But canines were not able to track anything, and the woman actually said that she made up the whole story. Why? I don't know. For attention? Yeah, I guess because it was, like, that big of a case. Like, What the hell is wrong with people? I'll never understand why people do that. Okay, that's rude. Yeah. The FBI, they got involved, and they actually thought that they got a video of the men who did it somehow, and they were identified in eight hours from this video that it was, like, at an ATM. But these men that they found, and I don't know how they really thought that they were involved, but they were quickly identified, and they had a pretty strong alibi that they were actually at a nearby restaurant together, and a waitress was able to identify all three of them at breakfast, and they had a receipt. So that checked out. So police are kind of running out of leads. Yeah, I thought for sure that they would have them really fast. Like It's a small, really small town, and you think they would set off on foot from a marsh, and the police were literally there when they heard the shots. Like, how far could they get? I mean, I don't know. Maybe unless they just got in a car and drove straight out of town, but... I don't know. It just seems like it would be hard could... yeah. with all those people looking for you. Maybe someone from another town will call if... They see the police report? (laughs) I don't know. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) On Labor Day 2015, they had a really big ceremony for Joe's death. Thousands of people attended. Um, His brother spoke at the ceremony. There were a thousand police cars that led a procession that spread five miles. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. There were a lot of people outside the ceremony holding signs up and stuff like that. Really, really big. A lot of people spoke. So after Joe's funeral ceremony, police did kind of turn up the heat a little bit on the investigation. Well, And they found some weird things. Some weird things. Things weren't adding up. Oh, okay, tell me. So, at first they found the revolver. It was actually just a couple feet from Joe's head, and it was in between two trees. So, police were a little confused by that. What? Like, uh, how did that happen? Like, Like on the ground in between two trees? Or wedged in between? Yeah, no, just, like, on the ground. But they were like, why wouldn't the people who killed him taken it with them? Yeah, like, why would they have just picked it up and then... Yeah, and then dropped it. And then they were also confused because when they, like, examined Joe's body more, he didn't have any physical abrasions or any signs of a struggle. His shirt was still tucked in and his pants were clean. His vest was properly placed on him, so it didn't look like he had gotten sort of fight or, like, into a mess, into a scuffle. It didn't look like that. So they were a little confused by that as well. Okay, what the hell? And the fatal bullet wound, it was two inches above his bulletproof vest, which they also thought was odd, like super, super close to his bulletproof vest, almost like someone would have been like super close to him to shoot him in that area. Yeah, like what are the chances that you would shoot from afar and get him right above his bulletproof vest, unless you were a really good shot. 
Well, they just didn't even think that happened. Like, they just thought that the shot did happen really close to him, which they thought was, like, weird. And, like, how could you be in a scuffle with people and someone shoots you that close and you're all clean and neat? Yeah. You know? That is true. That is true. So, they begin to dig through his police file and they find that it is 260 pages and it's full of a lot of tea. Mm-hmm. His personal files, it was like covering the first 15 years of his police work. Uh, they were all pretty good. It was like a lot of recommendations and like saying positive reviews about him and stuff. So the first 15 years of his police work seemed pretty decent. Nice. But in May of... But they also like uncovered more stuff, you know? No. So, they found out that in May of 1988, a deputy had called and said that they had found Joe passed out in his car on the side of the road. What? Like, his police car. A deputy couldn't wake him up, and they said that this wasn't the first time it happened, because he was drinking, I'm assuming. (gasps) Oh, wow. Yikes. Yeah. And... A woman that Joe had worked with had actually complained that Joe had said to her that he would put bullets in her chest, and then the next day he brought uh, his gun to work and, like, showed it to her. And she was, like, really freaked out by that, obviously. What the hell? Yeah. Yikes. People also said that bouncers from different places said Joe had been taken out of their bars very drunk and had never paid his tab. (laughs) And so they were pretty mad about that. (laughs) That's funny that they kind of just like threw that in there. And he never pays his tab. Right. They also found out that he... I don't know how they found all this stuff out in his file. Like, I'm assuming people somehow complained about all of them and it's just like a report. I don't blame them for complaining. They also found out that he took his family on vacation in his squad car at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's messed up, obviously. Like, totally abusing your power, but... Complete abuse of power, but, like, imagine seeing him, like, rolling to the beach. I and... know, right? Like, wow, the audacity. <laughs> he also grabbed women and touched them inappropriately, some reports said. Ew. Okay, I hate him. Uh... In 2002, the department eliminated his position as the commander of support services, one of his, like, other jobs on the force, and they said that he had problems with the force's communications division. I don't know what those problems were, but it's just, yeah, you know, all these, like, little things. Like, there are a lot of positive reviews, but also little things that are just, like, um... He has problems with people, accusations of financial things yeah, and like assault. In, yeah, and it seems like around 2000, he just goes brazy after that. So, okay, well. Yeah, so that happened in 2002 when they eliminated his position. The file also said that there was a lawsuit against the police department from a female officer who said Joe pressured her into doing sexual favors for her job in 2000, uh, five different times, I believe Joe forced her to perform oral sex on him multiple times. That is disgusting. Yeah. 
So. He, he's a pig. Yeah. Like, and the lawsuit was from 2006. Oh, I didn't even mean pig because of a police officer, by the way. I just <laughs> meant, like, disgusting. Like, how can you... That is, like, the lowest of the low, forcing someone to do things like that. Just, again, you're completely... Abusing your power. Abusing your power and abusing everything. Like... Right. That's so frustrating. But the lawsuit was dismissed and Joe was only suspended 30 days. What the hell? Yeah, I don't know. Annoying. One of the officers involved said Joe must have had some dirt on someone to be able to stay in the department after all that. Like, yeah. I don't know how that was in file, but... Wow. Maybe they just thought it would look worse to, like, let him go. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But a lot of people, like, obviously didn't have access to Joe's files, like, clearly. So, it's not like anybody really knew there was all this stuff going on, you know? Yeah. I guess that's true. But, like, how is no one... How is the head of the police department or no one not putting it together and being like, wow, this is too much and this is going to make the entire department look bad? Totally. So, in 2009, several members of the Fox Lake Police Department sent anonymous letters to the mayor accusing Glenowitz of throwing morale within the department to an all-time low. Oh, wow. They said that he had been suspended six times for inappropriate relationships with a subordinate and that people had warned police not to arrest him because they were friends with Joe. Like... They told police officers not to get him in more trouble because they were friends with him. Uh-huh. The letter also accused Joe of grabbing women's breasts at Christmas parties, sharing information from other officers' private files, getting thrown out of bars, having unpaid tabs, using his squad car for personal errands, and allowing civilians to fill their cars at the police gas station. <laughs> So, I, he's just literally doing whatever. Doing anything he wants. Like, yeah. that is... And grabbing women's breasts at the Christmas party? You're disgusting. Yeah, that's like every woman's worst nightmare, honestly. Is Yeah, he sounds like, honestly, that guy at work that you're literally just dreading every single time you run into every him. Every interaction you have uh-huh. to have with him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and thinking he's supposed to be a police officer. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So... The coroner ended up saying that he couldn't rule out a homicide, suicide, or an accident. And he said that there were uh, possibilities. There were possibilities of what could happen. And Joe's family was really pissed. They said they didn't understand how it could be anything except murder. And they weren't having it that it could be a suicide. Well, I mean... Yeah, and the older son, he was strongly against the idea that his dad would commit suicide. And he said that his dad had actually been applying for higher-up positions, so he didn't understand why he would be planning his future and then kill himself. A month after the shooting, the FBI makes a discovery on Joe's phone that uh, changes some things. Oh, gosh. They found out that he had erased... Thousands of texts right before his death. Between? Like, just in general. And so, they sent his phone to Quantico to, like, recover things that he had deleted. Okay. 
and they got back 6,500 pages of messages that were deleted. Oh my god. Imagine being the one who has to go through and read all of those. I know, right? So the first thing that they learned that was interesting was that Joe had made a fake marriage for his son DJ, who was 20 at the time, for financial reasons, because his son was in the army, and the army gives married men larger stipends. So he, like, arranged a fake marriage. Wow. Okay, that's pretty messed up. Mm-hmm. Damn. They also found messages that he tried to arrange a hit on the village administrator. What? Her name was Anne Marin. Why? Well, we'll get into that. <laughs> but he basically wanted, like, a gang member to take her out and make a hit on her. And he was, like, trying to arrange that. Oh my goodness. The FBI found a man who said that he had been reached out to about possibly doing this, but he didn't, like, implicate himself in anything and said that he wasn't really going to talk or say anything further. He just said he had been reached out to about it. And was like, yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. Damn. Yeah. They also, like, investigated the little place where the community center where Joe worked and did the stuff with kids who wanted to be police people and they found that there was a lot of military gear like vests and all the stuff that Joe got from an army surplus place that was meant for police officers and it wasn't like meant for kids so they were kind of confused as to why he would have all the supplies that's not meant for him right And the school administrator had, like, come by recently and seen all that stuff and had asked Joe for an inventory of all of it. And Joe said that he would get her that inventory on August 31st, the day before he died. Mm. And he had texted his chief saying, she has now demanded a full inventory of Explore Central and a financial report, dot, 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 FML. (gasps) Oh my goodness. That's pretty telling. He also sent messages to the mayor that day and said that, because he was good friends with the mayor, and said that he had only had one third of the inventory done, so he was going to get in trouble the next day because he wasn't going to have it done. And like the woman, I guess, who was in charge of the finances who really wanted the inventory was that woman, Ann Marin. Oh, yikes. Okay. There were also messages, text messages, that Joe had been stealing from that community place. He had been stealing from their bank accounts for years. No! Not the place he helped with the police. and The kids. No! Yep. He was. He had forged signatures on official documents and stolen tens of thousands of dollars from the Fox Lake Police Explorer post. For personal purchases, mortgages, travel expenses, gym memberships, adult websites, and personal loans. Damn, Joe. He would also use it uh, for flights for him and his wife and trips and stuff. You have zero mora- like morals at this point. Yeah, he even said in a text to his son at one point that his son better put the money Better put money into the Explorer account or he would go to jail because people would notice. 
And he also began putting his own money into the Explorer account. I'm assuming to make up for, like, money he had. So his family literally knows. Yeah, his family, like, obviously had access to it, too. What a weight to put on your children. Like, why? That is horrible. Right. And so on November 4th, 2015, like, two, three months after Joe's death, the police hold a conference and say that they have the final results of the investigation and they conclude that it was a staged suicide (gasps) and everybody like burst out in shock and people are pissed and the public is like how did you insist that it was a homicide for two months and now you're saying this like what the f people were mad and obviously joe's friends were really devastated and supported but all the truth was going to come out with what had happened and they said that the they figured that the first shot was from six inches away and it was into Joe's hip. Oh my god. And that the impact was actually absorbed by his phone and the bullet went through him and it was probably really painful, but it wasn't fatal. So they assumed that he was in a daze and pretty injured and then he shot himself downwards under his vest. When they interviewed his wife, she actually said that he had a really high pain tolerance. So, like, I guess she could believe it. What? The shot hit his artery and he could have lived for two minutes afterwards, which is how he could have probably dropped the gun down and, like, staggered a couple feet before collapsing. And he was also trained in staging crime scenes for his little job with the kids. So, and he had done so previously in that area, that marshy area, and he knew the area very, very well. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. But police did think that more people were involved. I don't really know exactly how, but they thought that his wife was somehow involved in this. Oh, wow. Yep. But everyone said she seemed so devastated. Right. But right after what happened, the judge did request people and the parties involved not to comment directly on the case. So he was like, um, y'all need to be quiet until they're done investigating. Oh. There were some items missing from Joe's surplus stuff and officers are still trying to figure out what Joe was actually planning to do with all that stuff because he had such an excess of equipment. They're assuming that he was selling it somehow, like... Oh, know, my on God. On the black market selling army supplies. He was he was doing so much stuff, under like, undercover, under the scenes. Like, what the hell? Yep. And the Explorer post, which he mentored, was disbanded until investigation could be finished. So oh I don't gosh. think it's ever been Those poor back. kids. Yeah. And uh, Cherubal... Charitable organizations who had raised money for Joe's family actually asked after police's statements for their gifts to be returned. The 100 Club, they donated $15,000. They actually said that they wanted it back from the family because it was a carefully staged suicide. Oh my gosh. Good. I'm glad they got the money back though. Yeah. And Melody was actually charged in 2016 with multiple counts of unlawful use of charitable funds and money laundering. Prosecutors said in court documents that the couple had used funds on hundreds of meals at restaurants, movie tickets, vacations, and other expenses. 
Oh, wow. Yep. I can't believe she knew. That bitch. Yeah. So, no, I'm sorry. That's mean. I, they can't. <laughs> they haven't proved that she knew. But if she did, that's horrible. And Melody actually has her trial coming up this November. <gasps> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, you're going to have to do a follow-up. Yeah, so we're definitely going to have to follow up on that. But yeah, that's basically it. People in the community, what? Yeah, I mean, people in the community were super pissed about this. Like, they still had these. They had these pictures of these signs that people made that were like "R.I.P. Joe" before they figured out it was a suicide. And people like wrote on them like "liar," "fraud." Do Do people still believe that he didn't do it? It's just proven it was a suicide. Okay, good. Well, you know, sometimes in small towns, people still believe what they believe because they know that person and to them... No, they don't. Like, everyone believes it happened because there was just so much proof that he had been stealing and that he owed so much money and that it was basically like he was going to get busted from the inventory. And so there was like, and there was no proof. They never found anybody else. They never found footprints leading from the scene. Never got any hits on smells. Nothing. No getaway car. Nothing. Nope. Nope. But they believe, they just like think that there was like somebody else involved just because it was so perfectly planned and stuff that I don't know exactly how they think someone was involved, but they do. His wife? Yeah. (laughs) They think her. I don't know how. Oh my gosh. Well, you'll definitely be doing a follow-up in November. I was talking to my boyfriend about this story. We were, like, watching the CNN thing about it, and he actually made a good point where he was like, what if, like, another cop was involved because they didn't want all this stuff to come out? Because, like, he was like, I find it really hard to believe that just one police officer had all this inventory and was, like, selling it or whatever on his own. Like, he was like, what if another officer was involved and helped cover it up? He's it's not like, wrong. I mean, yeah, that's a very know. good point. Yeah, like, there's obviously absolutely no proof of that. And I don't think they're investigating any more officers. But it is just a little concerning that he had so much stuff in his file. and Like, no one was just going to, like, how how is there that much stuff in his file? But no, th- someone like that is still out there Without any repercussions yeah, for that. was out there and going to be a police officer and retire in a month. It was allowed to teach children. That like, is that's shocking. That's so concerning. And I feel bad for those children who got totally robbed of trusting yeah, someone. And then, and then found out that the person was stealing money from the organization they ran. Yep. That's horrible. Right. Damn. I didn't see that coming. That was crazy. Crazy. Wow. Yeah, girl. Well, good one, Jack. Thanks. <laughs> Well, tell us, guys, if you have heard of the story, if you saw that coming, if you liked these kind of episodes where it wasn't what it seemed, you know. Yes, let us know. We love your comments. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. We love you. We love you. We hope you're having a great fall. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at Ew, that's creepy podcast. Or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.